0: Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to another edition of Better Than Before, a business and leadership podcast powered by our company, Clear Vision Development Group. I'm Tony Richards, along with producer Bill. Hello. And uh, we've got several things we want to cover today. We've got an outstanding guest coming up. Anna Malikin will be here today to talk about mindset Uh, what's a mindset, how does a mindset get formed, what you can do to change your mindset, Uh, what are some of the things that can be affected based on the mindset you have. It's going to be a great conversation. I can't wait to talk to Anna, and so she's just a wonderful person, does a lot of great work, has a very viable and vibrant YouTube channel and doing a lot of great things that we're going to talk about today. I also want to congratulate our uh, contest winner on social media, Christy Kramer. Uh, Just a wonderful human being. Uh, I've worked with Christy in the past. Uh, She's at Cornerstone Insurance here in Columbia, Missouri, and she's going to be attending the Self-Esteem Workshop. And she is the winner of our contest, so she'll be joining us here uh, at our offices on September the 20th for that full day of working on our self-esteem. And uh, you have just a few days left to uh, get your seat. I think we have two left. So you probably ought to snatch those up uh, at your earliest opportunity and join us here on the 20th of September. Also, last week, some unfortunate news. The vice chairman of the MFA Oil Board of Directors, Floyd Buckman, passed away. And uh, I was uh, at his visitation last week in Indian Creek, Missouri. Uh, If you don't know where that is, that's just outside of Stoutsville. And if you don't know where that is it's just down the road from madison and if you don't know where that is it's uh, up by moberly uh, and that's about as best as i can do but um, i had not been to a celebration of life quite like floyd's last week when i came out of the church and said my goodbyes to floyd and gave my condolences to the family when i left the church building all the way down the street and on the adjacent street, both sides of the road, were parked with cars. People were lined up down the sidewalk a good quarter of a mile. And uh, just the influence and the touch that Floyd had uh, was evident with all these people. Some people came from all over the state and out of state. He was definitely a community uh, leader. He played in a band band. He had a wonderful contribution list of things that he was involved with. I enjoyed my relationship with him immensely. Of course, uh, I work with Mark Finner, the CEO at MFA Oil, and his management team and that board of directors for the last five years or so. And Floyd always enjoyed my presentations. He always asked a lot of great questions. And he's just a wonderful human being, and it's really going to be missed. You know, life goes on, but it's it's difficult when you miss a piece of your life that was uh, such a good piece yeah that was well said tony yeah thanks so uh moving on to some some other things you're not going to believe this but you may think that you're getting bigger but whether or not you think you're getting bigger the the airplane's bathroom is actually getting smaller if you think that they can't get any smaller aircraft manufacturers and aircraft companies are going to prove you wrong they're actually going to scale the bathrooms down a lot more the number one and number two problems for people on airlines are shrinking bathrooms. I mean, I mean, you go in there and you have to, of course, position yourself in one of two ways in order to use the facility. And then you got to do with your wash up and uh, you got to move around some more and uh, it can be. So
2: are they squeezing in more seats? Is that the plan?
1: Well, it says, uh, as more planes get fitted with slim lavatories, more passengers are complaining that they don't fit. Twisting and turning is difficult for some. Washing up occasionally ends in splash clothes. And uh, this uh, fellow that's quoted in the article says, airplane bathrooms are a horror show. If a flight is under two hours, uh, he says he stops drinking fluids an hour before so he doesn't have to use the... Uh, onboard (laughs) facility perhaps because of traveler discomfort the airline industry is usually ready with information about new aircraft is holding on to even simple data like measurements of the new bathrooms airlines also don't publicize a simple tip travelers might want to know the bathrooms up front often in first class are a little bit bigger than the ones in the back of the plane now i just always go the one that's closest right but Um, now we're going to have everybody like pushing to the front just for that simple little bit of knowledge.
2: So the bathrooms are getting smaller, but the people are getting bigger.
1: I think overall. Yeah, that's, that's true. And you know, it isn't just people who are necessarily overweight either. I mean, can you imagine a six foot nine person? They are naturally just going to be bigger everywhere, uh, because of the larger frame right Uh, or whatever and uh, boeing company which started delivering slim laboratories last year declined to comment or release any dimensions or percentages of airlines taking slim over standard so boeing is the uh, manufacturer they said uh, go go ask the airline because they're the ones that (laughs) they're the ones that uh, ordered the plane Um, and this is from a wall street journal article written by scott mccartney it was it's all already, you know, a little bit of a pain for me because I'm a bigger guy. But to just find out that 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 little room is going to get smaller. Yeah, that's crazy. If you're going to be traveling a lot over the next couple of years, you, you might want to pre-plan and, and think about. You know, getting to the airport a little earlier, um, trying to hit the restroom in the airport. <laughs> Hold off on the liquids. Yeah. And you know what? That's, that's bad. Also, here's another reason why. My sinuses get really uh, wrecked at a high altitude when I fly. Mm-hmm. So the way I get around that is by drinking a lot of water. Hmm. To keep myself hydrated, Mm -hmm. it seems to help my sinus deals. But unfortunately, it has to go somewhere. Like I flew to Seattle a couple of weeks ago. That's a four-hour flight. Now, short flight to Dallas, a short flight to um, Denver or Chicago, that's 45 minutes to an hour. That's not an issue. So another thing that's going on, and Bill and I have talked about this quite a bit, and I've talked about it a lot in my presentations to a lot of my clients Um, Because this whole situation with um, retail versus e-commerce and a lot of retailers uh, were a little late to the game getting their uh, e-commerce act together and trying to manage and maintain all of this uh, brick and mortar. Uh, has been very difficult for a lot of companies. And some have done a pretty good job of balancing. Uh, you know, one that comes to mind just now just popped in my head, but Barnes and Noble seems to have uh, where borders failed and some other bookstores uh, when Amazon really decimated the publishing. Uh, Barnes and Noble was uh, somehow or other was able to keep their stores going. Uh, while still operating a website but a company that has really really been damaged and hurt by this is Sears yeah what what were you telling me about uh, the Sears building it's not even the Sears building no, anymore it's now the Willis building the Willis building <laughs> what are you talking about Willis
2: <laughs> yeah I just found out about that too
1: um, so Caitlin who works for us here's a native of Chicago mm-hmm. does she Uh, say that people still call it the Sears Tower, or do they call it the Willis Building? No, they call it the Willis Tower. Is that right? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because that is one of the things that um, WLS, I don't know if you know this or not, but WLS was a big AM radio station that I listened to as a kid, and I listened to John Records Landecker just about every night. The reason those call letters were assigned is because that was world's largest store. Oh. And so they got WLS out of that. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, it's like the big AM station that's broadcast the Grand Ole Opry for years in Nashville, Tennessee was WSM. Mm -hmm. And it was owned by an insurance company. And it was because it was We Save Millions. (laughs) So they call it WSM. And the FCC granted it. Of course, those licenses were granted back when there weren't very few. Mm -hmm. So almost all letters in the alphabet were available. Right. Um, So they picked call letters that matched the store slogan or the company slogan. And uh, Sears mm-hmm. uh, had uh, Sears Tower, and WLS was located there. And so they called it WLS because it was the world's largest store. Uh, but it's not even the Sears Tower anymore. It's the Willis Building. What other interesting things uh, have you noticed about Sears?
2: Well, they're, they're trying to get back into the online side of things. And I don't know if it's enough to save them, but they're um, working with Amazon, which was announced earlier this week, uh, a program that allows Sears to install and balance tires for customers who buy tires on Amazon.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so almost everybody's had at one point or another, you've probably had a Kenmore appliance or something in your home Mm -hmm. over the years they've made barbecue grills refrigerators washing machines dryers dishwashers microwave ovens ranges cooktops wall ovens vacuums vacuum cleaner bags air purifiers fans central air conditioning uh heat pumps gas furnaces window air conditioners i I we had a kenmore window air unit i remember Hmm. uh, at my granddad's feed store sure What's funny is they have actually been made by Whirlpool, LG, Electrolux, Panasonic, uh, and then they put the Kenmore on it. Oh. But it was made uh, some By other manufacturers. Uh-huh. Hmm. Yeah. I was at the Subaru store the other day uh, having something done. I don't drive a Subaru, but I bought from the Subaru store, and I was talking to the parts guy. And I was asking about the batteries because there was a stack of Subaru batteries there. And I said, so does Subaru make the battery or do they have somebody else make it and they just put Subaru on it? And I think that's what they do. So some of the Kenmore stuff isn't even made by what you would call Kenmore. Mm-hmm. It's just a brand that's put on there. But that brand is worth something. Mm-hmm. And as Sears has fallen on hard times, it has started to sell off all of its valuable brands. And so one of the valuable brands that they had was craftsman tools a few years back. They sold that to black and Decker trying to generate cash. Now they're starting to sell off Kenmore. And you were telling me something interesting about that is the actual CEO of Sears. And, and you can tell everybody his name and all that, but he's actually trying to buy it. Right.
2: Right. His name is Eddie Lampert. And, uh, he has a strategy though behind it. I,
1: I did a little bit more research, okay,
2: and uh, he's hoping that it becomes a bidding war, that somebody else will step up and make an offer on it.
1: So he's just trying to stoke
2: the market a little, right? Yeah. And another thing I found out is that Sears uh, Holding Company is twelve billion in debt. Oh my! Yes, and their assets are eight point one billion. Oh, wow. so, so they're, they're
1: underwater a- by four or five billion.
2: Right, and the um the The amount of money that they're trying to get for the, the um, Kenmore brand is four hundred million, which is really not a whole lot
1: of, you know, in the big scheme of things. Yeah, it's not even going to make a dent in that debt. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. The fortunes for Sears don't sound too bright.
2: Really don't. And I also did a little bit more digging because I was just curious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the peak in uh, 2007, Sears stock was selling at 130 dollars and this morning i checked to see what uh,
1: it's selling for and it sells for $1.24 $1.24 right and it do you remember when it sold at 100 and whatever you quoted there in
2: 2007
1: 2007 right 12 years ago
2: 12 years ago
1: wow and it's been on a slide since
2: $112 yeah
1: jeez per share but i mean it's dropped that much now yeah. it's a dollar 13
2: yeah, it, it well it was a uh, hundred and thirty dollars in 2007 so okay. really it's dropped what a uh, 120 some yeah 129
1: 28 yeah. Wow Wow that's decimated. yeah um, and that's sad you know because it's one of those great American brands. you It's just one of those you associate with America and that whole face of our business is changing. You know, right. you used to think of America as Sears and J.C. Penney and several of those kinds of companies, and now you think of America, you think of Microsoft and Apple and Amazon, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just changed.
2: It really has. And I'm old enough to remember getting the Sears catalog
1: every um, fall
2: and you know us going through it looking for toys
1: yeah i used to do the same thing jc penny also uh, both of those catalogs right. i'd go through and check out the new toy pictures you know and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing yeah so that's sad yeah it um, really is it's a it's kind of a part of us that's disappearing yeah so um you know all you antique collectors or whatever it sounds like if you can get a hold of an actual kenmore product that might be one of those things that you know i'm I'm sure you don't want just an extra washing machine or something (laughs) sitting around but something that you could i mean i've thought i've i've been thinking back over the years and thinking of things i wish i would have kept one of those you know just just to keep yeah i mean i recently had a little bit of flooding in my basement at home and i've gone through about 75 percent of a lot of my boxes that i have not opened and Thirty years, some of them, and so what I was going to say is I have a whole stockpile that I haven't found yet, but somewhere in there's a whole bunch of eight track tapes oh wow uh, that I really want to hang on to
2: well, I know you're a big music guy
1: yeah well, I just uh, that technology of the eight track uh it's a lot of people today wouldn't even know what that is, you know, but uh I'm sure that's going to be like a cassette tape someday. People aren't going to know <laughs> what that is either. I know recently we had to buy a cassette recorder that's right because we had we had a client that needed something uh completed and they still had a cassette player that performed whatever it was they needed so we we went and found one, and that was a challenge. Yeah, and and got it, and we have it here at the office. So we want to keep that thing in working order. That might be a <laughs> that might be a real strong antique one of these days, right? So bathrooms are getting smaller, and Kenmore's fading, and Sears is on its last legs. That's basically the good news <laughs> that we have for everybody today. But we've got uh, an excellent guest coming up. Anna Malikin is here and she's standing by and uh, you're going to enjoy our conversation around mindset. And uh, that's coming up next on better than before.
0: Do you apologize for your behavior? Are you constantly worrying about what others think about you or frequently criticize yourself? Self-esteem affects everything we do and is one of the key indicators of success in business. Tony's new self-esteem workshop will help you develop the tools necessary to empower you to overcome the pressure and unfamiliarity of professional and personal circumstances. Through Tony's guidance, you'll learn how to perceive threats and vulnerabilities to better prepare for challenging situations, resolve the baggage that keeps you back, and improve self-esteem when you need it most. Join us on September 20th for this one-day self-esteem workshop. Space is limited. Don't let low self-esteem hold you back from living the life you'd like to live. Register online now at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
1: Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Tony Richards, excited about today's guest. Anna Malikin is a PhD and CEO of Amaze Coaching and also host of the Mindset Zone podcast, which has been featured in the Huffington Post 15 podcasts that will leave you pondering life's big questions. She's originally from Portugal and before she moved to Phoenix, Arizona, she lived in England and in Spain where she completed a PhD in psychology and two master programs. She started her online coaching business in 2010 and became an elite-level Book Yourself Solid Certified Coach in 2013, and she now specializes in helping business owners implement their capital B-I-G, Big Vision and uh, she's also an accomplished public speaker and trainer. She's spoken in person uh, in dozens of venues in the United States and Europe and participated in hundreds of webinars, podcasts, and other online events. I want to make sure and mention her uh, YouTube channel, which I've been spending time on the last couple of days and I really, really get a lot of value from that. And uh, we'll give you her email address and her web address and all that stuff at the end of the interview. But Anna, it's so good to have you on the show today. It's wonderful to be here. You and I met uh, through a LinkedIn connection, and I've, yes. I've enjoyed getting to know you better. Uh, I want to get into a little bit, though, what was it like growing up in Portugal?
3: It's a beautiful country. We are small in size, and that, uh, if you have like uh, you say, a middle-class job, you really can have a great quality of life every year we go there i spend at least a couple of weeks there and it's divine
1: <laughs> i bet it sounds like a wonderful place uh to both uh, be born and also a great vacation spot also uh down in that southern part of mm-hmm. of europe that uh, yes. Por- portugal and spain that entire area by the sea is just wonderful now tell me a little bit about living in phoenix do you like living in phoenix
3: I miss the ocean. Uh, That is something that I miss from Portugal. I was uh, living near the ocean. Here in Phoenix, we don't have the ocean. We have beautiful sunsets. That is something amazing here in the desert. And I love the living here in Phoenix. Something that I miss from Europe in general, because I live in several places in Europe, the cities there are more walkable. Here in Phoenix, we have great places to walk, but we almost have to go for the walk. It's not running errands and walking.
1: But you have uh, you have great consistent weather. I <laughs> I was in uh, Scottsdale, which is just of course the uh, neighbor to Phoenix, mm-hmm. and um, I was there a couple of years ago in February, oh. and I wish I had brought a jacket. it was, it was a little cooler than I thought it was yeah, going to be. The
3: winter, so they say, we have like really eight nine months that are good. Then the summer is a little bit tough, but uh, we can survive.
1: (laughs) There's so many great things I would love to talk to you about, but we have limited amount of time on the show. So I really want to focus in on something that I think I get a lot of questions about in my practice. And you're just a wealth of knowledge on mindset. And I want to talk to you, and especially since your podcast is called The Mindset Zone, I I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. Tell me about mindset. What does it mean? How do you define it?
3: And there are many different ways of defining it. I will keep it as simple as I can, because I think the importance is to get an idea then that we can work with it. So we can see the mindset as like the habits of our mind. It's like a set of collections of thoughts and beliefs that we have that really shape the way we see the world. It's like almost the glasses that we see through and we see everything around us and really affects the way we think, the way we feel and what we do.
1: And so how would one become aware of their particular mindset? Are there any exercises to do or how, how do I start, start to understand what my mindset looks? Uh, is like.
3: And that is a tricky thing because this imagine, and I don't know if you wear glasses or not or you ever uh, used to wear glasses, but it's like when we are a set of glasses for a long time, we stop to become aware that we are seeing the world through glasses. We stop to see the frame around, we just see what we see. and this is the way that our brain interprets that. So we have to become aware that we are wearing this metaphorical kind of glasses that condition the way that we see the world. And it's a little bit more complex because in some ways we will have several type of glasses that we put in several type of settings because our mindsets, our collection of beliefs that we have are different from setting to setting. There is an author that I absolutely love. It's another psychologist. Her name is Carol Dweck. And she organizes the mindsets in like in two big groups the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And the the fixed mindset is the ways that that set of glasses that we put, that we see a certain qualities like intelligence, like talent to drawing as a fixed thing, something that we are born with and we cannot change too much. The growth mindset is areas that we see, no, we can learn, we can improve
1: you got me thinking here. So in the fixed mindset, those things are not changeable. Is that?
3: Yeah, that is the belief that we have about it.
1: Okay. And and then in the growth mindset, those things are variable and can be.
3: Yes. And usually, because you ask, how do we know about the mindset? Usually, we are not aware of the mindsets. It's something that we really have to work in that self-awareness to analyze our thinking and realizing that, oh, okay, maybe I have this tendency to think this way and this is affecting my life in this way. But it's not something that for most people come in a natural way. Let's put it that way. We have to learn it.
1: So the the mindsets are really sort of like the lenses in the glasses, right? Yes. The things we're looking through.
3: And we have the power of changing that. That is the thing. That is why I did my podcast, The Mindset Zone. Uh, Originally, I was going to call it the mindset workouts because everybody nowadays, mainly in the business entrepreneur world, speak about how mindsets are important. Mindsets are important. It's a a word that is very used. But, okay, if they are so important, what are we doing our day-to-day about them? Not much. So that idea of creating a space where people can do a workout in their mindsets to become more aware in the way that they are thinking and exercising, like becoming more flexible and experimenting with different ways of uh, seeing the world really can be beneficial.
1: So I, I just happen to be wearing glasses right now. And I <laughs> I, I wear glasses when I have to read something uh, or I don't wear them when driving or in just generally speaking to people. But when I when I go to read something or I want to make sure I'm covering some notes like I am with you, I have them on. Now, the way I received these glasses was I went to an optometrist and he did a test on me and, and det- determined that my particular eyes needed this kind of lens. But when you're talking about the mindset being like glasses, how do we get the lenses that we have? How do those develop?
3: It's a lot about, okay, there will be, and we go back to nature and nurture here, what is, uh, people will have some tendencies that we are born with in terms of pessimism, optimism, the way, uh, some tendencies that we have, without any doubt, our personality has a lot of things that has to do with our genes. But at the same time is the interplay of our genes with the experience since the moment that we are born, we have uh, across our lives and the power that we have to do something about that experiences. We don't need to be always reacting. We, we have this amazing capacity of hmm, be, becoming aware. Is that process of becoming aware, okay, what is going on here? And then making a choice, because we can decide to keep uh, uh, blaming ourselves or blaming our genes or blaming our circumstances, or we can, okay, this is what I have, what can I do with it? And that is where change happens.
1: Yes. So in your practice, is it your experience that the majority of people, they look at that as, well, that's just me, I'm just, that was the way I was born and I can't change it? Or do they typically have the attitude of, I can pretty much change anything about me?
3: They typically have the second attitude. The people that I usually how do you say when they come to me, they, they really are changemakers. They want and they, they but even somebody that is a change maker, that is a go-getter, they have their own blind spots, areas that there are more fixed mindsets that will be beneficial to look at it and to really expand the possibilities there. I work a lot with coaches, consultants and trainers and where I see them uh, to spinning their wheels more is that they are very self-aware. They get that they are good in analyzing their thoughts and becoming aware of them. But the action being in the action mode sometimes and they go to the action mode But sometimes they don't stay. It's like the shining red object that attracts their attention to another thing in terms of action. And they get distracted very easily. So one of the work that I do is helping people to keep focus on their goals and really implement the things that need to be implemented to see
1: results. So give me an example of uh, two, two examples of a fixed mindset.
3: A typical one that is very common, even like I say, a person with a very open and grow mindset in many other areas will maybe have some kind of fixed mindset will be, for instance, if you are not an artistic person, you will think, oh, I cannot draw. Because when you try to draw something like draw your kid, your drawing capacities, maybe they are frozen when you were like 10, 11 years old. And you think that is my talent. I cannot do anything about it. Mm -hmm. So that will be an example of a fixed mindset.
1: All right. And then give me one or two examples of a growth mindset then.
3: Will be the things that you believe that if you put work and that if you put effort on it, you can improve. That really depends on a lot of people to for person to person. But for instance, somebody that starts their own business and they has a growth mindset about learning the skills necessary for their business, they will be much more open to learning about marketing, to learning about sales. And they will put the efforts of reading, of going to trainings or going to self-development events to keep growing because they believe that they can learn. But if it's somebody that, oh my gosh, I was not born with the sales gene, so I will never be a good salesperson. They will not put the effort that is necessary to improve that skill.
1: So does that work that way with the example you mentioned about drawing? If, yes. If, if it's frozen for me at five, but in my heart I really want to draw well Am I ever going to be able to do that?
3: Yes. It's not just a question of one day waking up and say, oh, I'm going to be a great artist or I'm going to draw amazingly. It's not just a question of that openness to the idea. Then you have to do some work to make it happen and focus on it. Maybe you can never be a, a renowned artist, but improving a lot what you can draw that for sure
1: so it sounds like it has a lot to do with the desire and belief
3: yes and putting the work to make it happen it's not something that is going to fall from the skies there is an illustration a cartoon that i love that is like uh, two professors mathematicians that are in like in a big board the black board and they start with the equation and then they have the results and then in the middle like poof like the mystery thing that happens that is the work that we have to put every day to make it happen. It's like the the same thing that people see somebody in being very successful and this. Oh, this is like instant success. Like 99% of the times it's not an instant success. It's loads of work behind and then there is an opportunity. Things align and then things become big. But there is loads of work behind it.
1: Yeah, I've often marveled at people who uh, see someone whose talent is fully developed and they've reached a mastery level in an area of their life. And they do not see all the work that went into it. They're just seeing it at mastery level. And uh, we don't have any idea what it took to get there. Yeah.
3: And I love in high performance, we look a lot to sports and I love that uh, analogy because if somebody wins a gold medal, nobody thinks, Oh, that person just woke up. He was great. And now he has the, the gold medal. They know that there was a lot of work, even somebody like M- Michael Phelps uh, that uh, is, I think, is still the, the one that won more medals in Olympic Games. And uh, nobody doubts how, how much effort and work he did to get there. Of course, yeah, he had natural things that help him to be a great swimmer. But if he didn't put to work, he will not arrive to the level that he arrived.
1: So um, how powerful are these things in our lives and careers? Uh, Are they big difference makers uh, on mindset?
3: I I truly believe that they are. Uh, There is a quote that I absolutely love and maybe you are familiar. That is, watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. And I truly believe in this. The way that we think determines a lot to do how we are in the world, how we feel things, and what we do about all of that. Yes, the things that we do, the circumstances in our lives will also have an impact in our thoughts. There is an interplay in both directions. But I believe that we have an incredible power between our two years and the way we think that most of the times we are not tapping into all the power that we have there.
1: Does the amount of openness vary from person to person? In other words, person A could be very open to changing their thought patterns and their belief systems, and maybe person B is not very open. Is that
3: yes, yes? And age uh, also as a factor. There usually uh, young people are more open to change. As the years go by, and this is the life experience, we find the habits that suit us better and most of the times are great, but then new set of circumstances arrive and then that is not working so well anymore. That is where it's welcome to have something, their capacity of being open to a new learning that we need to learn something new that suits better the circumstances that we are facing at that moment.
1: Even though we might be influenced by external factors, the power still resides with us, right? We're we're the only ones who can affect that mindset. Is that true? I or? will
3: not say the only ones. My view of the world, uh, and, and this is my belief and my mindset about the world, is that we behave in certain ways it has to do with the way that we are wired, the way that we are the characteristics of as human beings. And that helps to explain sometimes certain things that we do. But the incredible thing is that we have the power to become aware of it and then to almost to have the capacity of flipping the circumstances and make it happen. To give a concrete example, somebody that wants to lose weight. And we know that if we have a big plate, that we have the tendency to put more food on the plate and eat more. The moment that we become aware of this dynamic we become self-aware of this, then we have the power to change something. We can decide, okay, instead of a big plate, maybe I get a fruit plate that is smaller and that becomes my meal plate that I'm going to put less food there and therefore I'm going to eat less. So is this capacity of becoming aware of something and then do something about it?
1: So I always wanted to ask this, so I'm going to ask you, but um, (laughs) hypnotherapy... Mm-hmm. does that work uh, as far as mindset change
3: can help a lot but that is also depends of uh, because the hypnosis and this is an area that i study in the past when i was in psychology there is lots of mythology around that word Oh, we are going is and the image that most people have is like of uh, uh, entertainment show or oh, that guy is going to put me like doing sounds like a chicken uh, the way that I see hypnosis and hypnotherapy doesn't have anything to do with that. It's much more about tapping into a power that we have internally to allow us to get in touch with resources that we usually are not aware that we have. We don't have an easy way to tap into them. It's like I see tapping into our unconscious resources, but seeing our unconscious as a big place where a lot of positive things exist there.
1: Well, Anna, I, I could sit here and talk to you uh, into tomorrow <laughs> about the, uh, this stuff, but I'm going to uh, direct people to uh, your website and several of the resources you have covering all these um all these topics I just think mindset is such a interesting uh, topic to talk about as far as superior performance is concerned I've got a standard list of closing questions I ask every guest that comes on and so I want to ask these of you in uh, rapid fire succession are you ready okay okay best memory that comes to mind for you
3: Oh, gosh. I have so many good memories. Uh, the birth of my daughter is really on the top. Seeing that little being uh, uh, in my arms for the first time is something I will never forget that.
1: What's your daughter's name?
3: Isabella.
1: Isabella. And your husband's name? Uh, James. Uh huh. And Isabella, your only child? Yes. Okay. Number one hero in your life?
3: Hmm. My mom, I have to go to my mom. I had many heroes and many people that inspire me, but my mom is still somebody that uh, uh, she keeps surprising me uh, in a very positive way through the years. And I'm very lucky that she's still around.
1: That's awesome. What's the number one value you subscribe to?
3: Learning. The capacity of learning.
1: Good. Most important person in your life?
3: Mm-hmm. Oof. Uh, will be my
1: daughter. Your favorite thing in the whole world?
3: Mm, I will go back again to learning. I love learning.
1: (laughs) And what's your favorite food?
3: Ooh, I like octopus. That is something that we are not very used to here in the United States, but well done is amazing. Octopus.
1: (laughs) Most beautiful place you've been to?
3: Hmm. I have to say my uh, base in Portugal, where we have a second house, Lagos, in the south of Portugal.
1: If you could describe success in one word, what would that be?
3: Living fully.
1: How do you want to be remembered?
3: As somebody that made a positive difference by helping other people, uh, expanding their possibilities.
1: Advice for a younger Anna?
3: Hmm. Go for it. Don't think too much. Just go for it. You can do it.
1: What's your favorite sound?
3: Oh, the ocean.
1: And since you're such a lifelong learner, what's the best lesson you've learned?
3: Keep learning. Yes, keep learning.
1: Tell everyone how to find you on the web and some of the resources you offer.
3: So the best place will be my website at Anna, and Anna is just one, N-A-N-A, Melikian, dot com. Uh, and there you can have access to my YouTube channel, uh, Facebook. You can find me anywhere through my name. It's that advantage of having a not very common name.
1: Well, Anna Malikan is the CEO of Amaze Coaching and the host of the Mindset Zone. Anna, thanks so much for being on today.
3: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: Anna Malikan, everybody. I'll be back with more on Better
0: Than Before right after this. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com.
1: This is Tony Richards. You're listening to Better Than Before podcast produced and powered by Clear Vision Development Group. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Anna Malikin today. I'm so thankful for our relationship. I learn something uh, every time we visit and talk. And I want to encourage you to check out our website and go to her YouTube channel and see some of her videos. She is uh, deeply knowledgeable about the neuropsychology, mindset, all that kind of stuff. It's just some really, really good information that can help you. So here to wrap up today's show, I want to do a little tribute to the Eagles to celebrate and commemorate their passing Michael Jackson's Thriller and becoming the best-selling album of all time, their Greatest Hits album, which was released in 1976. And so the song that's on that album that I think really defined not just the Eagles as a band and got them going and and generated a breakthrough for them, but it really defined the 1970s. And it's the very first song on the album, which came from their original very first album, simply titled The Eagles. And uh, it was Take It Easy. And uh, Take It Easy was written by Glenn Fry, who was in the Eagles. But it, most of the song was written by Jackson Brown. Glenn Fry lived in the upstairs. Glenn Fry and, and Don Henley lived upstairs. Jackson Brown lived in the basement of this apartment. So they were frequent collaborators sharing song ideas and this, that, and the other. But this song, Take It Easy, was recorded by the Eagles uh, with Glenn Fry singing the lead vocals. It was their first single, and it was released May the 1st, 1972. It peaked at number 12. On the Billboard Hot 100, it was the opening track of their debut album and has become one of their signature songs, included on all of their live and also their all of their greatest hits albums. It's listed of uh, one of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Uh, Jackson Brown later did his own version on his second album for every man and released it as a single, but it didn't chart. So it didn't do as well for him. And then in 1993, it had a little resurgence because Travis Tritt did it on this Eagles tribute album. That was actually the catalyst for the Eagles getting back together and making a comeback after they had split up. And that, uh, and I, I have a copy of this uh, album as well, and, and is one of my favorites. It's called "Common Thread," the songs of the Eagles, and uh, has uh, country artists doing Eagles songs on the, on the album. The video uh, that was done for Travis uh, Tritt's version uh, has all five members of the Eagles for the first time in thirteen years after their breakup. Um, Jackson Brown originally began writing Take It Easy for his own debut album. He was having trouble finishing the song, and then Glenn Frey had heard him working on it and asked uh, Jackson about it, and he played the unfinished version, which uh, had a second verse that begins with, I'm standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. And Glenn Frey finished out the verse with, Such a fine sight to see, it's a girl my lord in a flatbed Ford slowing down to take a look at me. And um, Brown was very happy with that and suggested that they just be co-writers on the song. And... um he, he said uh, he knew Glenn from playing clubs and we kept showing up at the same clubs and singing on open mic nights. And he came by and said hi and hung around for a while when I was in the studio. And I showed him the song and told him I was going to put it on my record and, and, but it just I wasn't going to be ready in time. And, and he said, well, you know, let's let's finish it up. And he wrote this great line that just absolutely made the song. Uh, Glenn Johns was the producer, and uh, for those people who really, really are, are deep into music, you know Glenn Johns as the producer of bands like The Who and The Rolling Stones, and of course Glenn is British, so he produced a lot of the British uh, rock bands. He was a producer for Led Zeppelin. I remember on the Eagles documentary, Don Henley wanting to put extra mics on the drums, and uh, Glenn said, well, I'm not going to put extra mics on the drums. You just hit the drum harder. And he said, well, there's no way I can hit it as hard as John Bonham with Led Zeppelin. Uh, So it's just kind of an interesting way people go about stuff. And one of the things that Glenn Johns uh, added to the song was Bernie Ledden, who was the sort of the instrumentalists in the Eagles, played a lot of different instruments. He got him to play banjo, and he played it in double time. And uh, it really, really enhances the song. It was already a really good song, but that one little thing really makes it kind of cool. And in the early days, in their early live performances, the Eagles would always start with an acapella version uh, of a verse from Silver Dagger that started with, my daddy is a handsome devil. And then they'd go right in to take it easy. And Glenn Fry used to always say, man, he goes, I got really, really tired of singing that song over 40 some odd years. He said, but right before I'd go on stage, I'd think, you know, there's people here who have been waiting their whole lives to hear us sing this song. And I've got to get that out of my head and go out there and really give a great performance. According to Glenn, he says the second verse of take it easy refers to a time when Jackson Brown broke down, his car broke down in Winslow, Arizona during one of his trips to Sedona, requiring him to spend a long day in Winslow. And uh, they now have a bronze statue in Winslow, Arizona of a, a man standing on a corner in winslow arizona which is kind of cool and september 24th of 2016 a life-size statue of glenn fry was added to that standing on a corner park in winslow to honor his songwriting contribution to the song and basically put winslow arizona on the map and so i want to do a uh, a reading of Take It Easy to close out the show uh, today. So here's Take It Easy, written by Jackson Brown and Glenn Fry. Well, I'm running down the road trying to loosen my load. I've got seven women on my mind, four that want to own me, two that want to stone me. One says she's a friend of mine. Take it easy, take it easy. Don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. Lighten up while you still can, Don't even try to understand. Just find a place to make your stand and take it easy. I'm standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona, and such a fine sight to see. It's a girl, my lord, in a flatbed Ford, slowing down to take a look at me. Come on, baby, don't say maybe. I just gotta know if your sweet love is gonna save me. We may lose and we may win, but we will never be here again. So open up, I'm climbing in. And take it easy. I'm running down the road trying to loosen my load. I got a world of trouble on my mind. Looking for a lover who won't blow my cover. She's so hard to find. Take it easy, take it easy. Don't let the sound of your own wheels make you crazy. Come on baby, don't say maybe. I got to know if your sweet love is going to save me. We got it easy, we ought to take it easy. That's our show today. Thanks for listening to Better Than Before. We'll catch you next time. And remember, till I talk to you next, everything gets better
0: when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.